All right, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 19. And yes, we are loaded with, with Proverbs. Oh, they're so good. And we were just coming off. Um, let me just tell you again, I had a gal say to me last week, she says, um, you know, I, I'm just starting to understand why you put Proverbs and Romans together. She said, it seemed me to me for a while that, I mean, we just, I didn't know where I was. I was in limbo. I mean, but I hope that you are learning that there is a, a method going on here because I, I know for me personally, if I would have done just Proverbs all at once, it's almost like it's so much. I mean, when I do three chapters, it's almost too much. And so I think if week after week, we were just continuously doing one proverb after another, I think I would have lost my momentum a little bit. And so, but, but by going into Romans every other week, like for example, last week, I don't know how you can go through from Romans 1, 8, 1 to Romans 8, 39 and not realize who and what you are in Christ Jesus. I mean, it is just, I think, um, it's just hard to put into words. I think Romans 8 is a culmination of, of who we are, who he is, put it together, whoa, we are really something. And what we have, it, it excites me, but... But what had to happen to get us to where we are so that we could know that the cross works, so we could live victoriously instead of a victim because we are more than conquerors? You know, to, to know that, that all of Romans 8 is me, it's you, that, that gives me momentum now to go back into Proverbs and say, how can I live for you? Now, what can I do for you after what you have done for me? Going back to Proverbs now, I, I come back saying, all right, what instruction? What can I do better? I want to I learn. And that means I better listen because I want to learn to walk with you better. I want my countenance, my words, my attitude, my actions. I want them all to be speaking. And that happens when we listen, and learn. So tonight, I, I don't know about you, but I was ready to go into these three chapters. And believe me, Solomon didn't disappoint either because it's loaded. So, okay, um, you better be concentrating because um, I'm going to be not skipping around, but I just might skip a verse or two. So, you know, so, you know, in your Bibles, just keep following. I mean, I don't, I won't skip like a whole cluster, but... Um, but you can't be thinking what you're doing at 8 o'clock tonight, okay? I want From 7 to 8 now, we are going to be just concentrating on, on just hearing the Lord tell Solomon what to tell us, okay? And, and I've had some remarks say that sometimes they feel that they're, that they're the only one in the room, like that they can hear the Lord, I needed that proverb, or I, I needed those two sentences to kind of show me. Didn't even realize I was there. I mean, tonight, I mean, three verses just on nagging, quarrelsome women, you know? <laughs> and let me tell you guys, maybe he didn't actually bring you into the, into the forefront, but and call husbands out. 
let me know. You just just know that um, he, he will get back at you. So your day is coming. But, but in the end, this particular lesson, I had you in the questions. I wanted you to see. He's speaking to us gals. And, uh, and I think rightly so. I think we women can, can, uh, can be little pickers. <laughs> I think we can pick and, and you know, um, I think we can be aggravating sometime. I think we can be like a leaky faucet. I think we, I think um, uh, we can want to, we're right. We want you to know it, you know. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, maybe I'm speaking just for me, but um, I think some of us, sometimes you guys do have your hands full with us. And, uh, and I will give you that much, yeah? So, but anyway, start. We're starting with verse 2, chapter 19. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge. That's major. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge. And how do we know that? Who's the best example of, of zeal but, but not knowledge? Oh, he was smart. He was real religious. He was on his way to Damascus making sure that get rid of all those so-called Christians that were, you know, destroying all the Judaism way. I mean, he was so zealous about getting rid of the, these nutcases that were, that were, you know, just getting, getting all off course. And, you know, that was Paul. I mean, he, he was so zealous. And, yes, he was very smart in a lot of things and a lot of his religion. But when, now that we're learning what knowledge really is, it's, he was missing Jesus. And so he was very zealous. I mean, so can, can you be zealous without knowledge? Yes, you can. And that's what we've got to keep checking on. What are we passionate about? You know, is it good to be passionate about what we're passionate about? You know, and so um, I think it's a great sense because it is not good to have zeal without knowing what you're, what you're so excited about and what you're passionate about. And, you know, as sure as what Paul was about himself and his religion and all the Judy, you know, all his credentials and all the, you know, the 700 plus Mosaic laws and, you know, his legalistic righteousness, he did it all right. And yet, he would be the first one to walk in the door and say, boy, I missed the main thing. You know, you can be zealous about something, you can be zealously wrong. So make sure that what you're zealous about is the right wisdom, it's the right knowledge. Nor to be hasty and miss the way. And we've been talking about that. I mean, I would never tell somebody, don't read your Bible through in a year. You know, like I said before, 90 days. I would never tell anybody, oh, of course. You, I mean, you can't be in it enough. But, but um, that proverb kind of stand, stands out to me. Because I think if you are hasty, if you are hasty, even in your Bible reading, and you don't know the difference between reading and studying, because what does studying take? For It takes time. It does take time. And if you are just, if you are hasty, what does the proverb say? What, is, what can happen if you are too hasty? You're going to miss something. And, and, and especially things like, uh, you know, words like Paul said or, or James said, take note of this. Or like Solomon said, um, uh, 
be sure of this. You know, it's like, stop a minute. Stop and know that this is important. Be sure. Take note. Write it down if you have to. So, a man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. Do you ever hear the Lord get blamed for things when it's man's own consequence? I mean, that a man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. I went to Revelation 16, 11. I, because um, we studied Revelation, my mind went to Revelation 16, 11 because when we studied the, the tribulation, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls of wrath, you know, it, these progressions, I mean, it gets, it's like childbirth. Um, as the tribulation started, it started not so, not so hard, but then it gets harder and harder and more intense and more intense and quicker, closer and, and all that. Childbirth explains it beautifully and, or illustrates it beautifully. But whether it's the seals, the trumpets, the bulls of wrath, the Lord is, it's not his will that any perish. And so before, before, you know, he comes again. He wants to make sure that everybody has seen and heard and ha has had the chance. And, and yet, instead of taking these seals and these trumpets and these warnings, like, wake up. If you go to Revelation 16, 11, it just breaks your heart because it says that instead of doing what the suffering was supposed to have it do, was to wake you up and have you cling to him. And it said, what, what they did was they just shook their fists at him. They cursed his name. So to me, that proverb, look at a man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. He's the one that said no to Jesus, and yet he blames God for all the disasters that come. You know, I still think the Lord knows how to get man's attention through through disasters, through 9-11s, through whatever. I think he's just saying, you know what? I know it's caused a lot of, and a lot of lives are lost, but I am trying to get your attention. I'm trying to get you to see who's in charge here because the day's going to come. There's no more chances. And yet, when, he, when the Lord does these things, all I hear, seem to hear people say is, how come the Lord didn't? He could have, he should have, and it's all his fault. And I mean, even sometimes when people in their individual life, if someone doesn't get the answer they want, instead of trusting that the Lord knows best, I see them shake their love fists and you could have, and you should have, and why didn't you? And then I've watched the bitterness and the sway to that self. And that we've seen from the Proverbs, that doesn't take you to a good place ever. It never will. Wealth brings many friends, but a poor man's friend deserts him. Oh, come on. What did, what did you think of? What, what, um, what, uh, what was it called? Parable. What parable did Jesus give? Wealth brings many friends, but a poor man's friends desert him. The prodigal son, right? 
there's your perfect deal. Look at when that kid had all the money, oh man, all the friends were coming. He had a blast with them all. The minute, the minute the the money ran out, where were the friends? And where was he? Eating pig slop, you know? So that's true. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who pours out lies will not go free. Again, let me just reiterate. Solomon did not clump verses together and organize so that everything about this category was here, then everything about this category is here. Solomon is not organized on purpose. And that's because every now and then he's got to bring that thought back to you. And this is one of them that he keeps bringing back all the time. That when someone says something wrong against you, when you've been treated unjustly, when someone lies about you, I mean, that just feels me so easy to want to defend and to, and to fight back and to... And he's going to later say one about revenge. But right now, he said, I want you to know, I just want you to live with confidence knowing that you just let it go. Because what do we know? A false witness will not. You pour his lies out, will not. Now, is there any doubt in your mind the way Solomon writes this? Is there any doubt? Now, he didn't say, well, um, I hope the Lord takes care of it, or um, maybe he will deal with it. No, I mean, he just couldn't have put it. You can know. We, he will not let the unjust go unpunished. So he's just, just make sure you know. Looks like they're getting away with it right now, but they will not. Verse 7, a poor man is shunned by all his relatives. How much more do his friends avoid him? Though he pursues them with pleading, they are nowhere to be found. If that, didn't, if that proverb did not break your heart, then we better take a look at it. <laughs> we better take a look at your heart. Or you better take a look at your heart. It's your business, I guess. But look. If, if, you're, if you are not living out, because when Jesus comes into your heart, it you're supposed to be changed, and it isn't about you anymore. And sometimes he puts people in our lives to say, how, I mean, look look what he talked about. Look how Jesus talked about it when he says, when you do it to the least of these, when you're willing to put yourself aside and you do, the le- do it to the least of these, who are we doing it for and to whom? To him. And so look at it. The proverb says, a poor man is shunned by his relatives. How much more do his friends avoid him, though he pursues them? I mean, that just gets you. I mean, he's trying. Okay, you know what? Maybe he has made a few mistakes. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe he does have a lifestyle that maybe you have a tendency to think, no, I don't want to be associated with that. I don't care what it is. If he is pursuing, if he if he if he needs you, if he needs if he needs your compassion and your unconditional love, I'm telling you, if you can't, if you look at a proverb like that and that doesn't get you, if you've got somebody that is that is really wanting you for whatever reason. Now, I'll tell you, 
That's a bad heart for you. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. Oh, I got to tell you something. I can say this here because it isn't this class. But um, in my class Thursday, we were doing this. I had a lady come up to me afterwards and tell me that that proverb really smacked her because she was ready to go. I guess her niece had said a few unkind things to her. And she says, you know, I've been just wallowing in that. And I thought right away I knew we were in trouble when she said that. I've just been wallowing in that. And she says, you know, and then I can't believe she said this. She said, I don't have to put up with that. And then she said the S word. Can you believe it? <laughs> and I think she wanted me to say, you're right. You don't have to put up with it. Say it, the, say it to her. But I, said, I said, what? She said, I don't have to put up with that. I said, yes, you do. And she, she couldn't believe it. I said, well, what are, your, what are your plans? Well, my plans are I'm calling her this afternoon. And I'm going to tell her. Because I don't have to put up with it. And she said it again. <laughs> so this proverb and another proverb, and so I, I reiterated these proverbs. And I said to her, because it's going to be, it's, he's going to come again in this same lesson. He's going to come again. And it's just like, come on, didn't you hear what he said? He's saying, let it go. In the scope of things, that's my new phrase. In the scope of things, is this really worth it? Because I said, you know what that's going to do? You call her today and you give her peace of your mind. I said, you know what? That niece-aunt relationship, guess what? The bigger the divide. And our God isn't a God of division. He's a God of unity. And so right now, you, you practice what you're learning and pray that maybe she comes sometime and learns it. And together, but I said, right now, no, it's so easy. Now watch how Solomon puts this all together. But I couldn't believe one of my Bible study girls just cussed like that. And I know. <laughs> He who gets wisdom loves his soul. Why do you think we sang that song tonight? Because, I mean, he who gets wisdom, the more you hear the truth of God's word and how much he loves you, how much what he's done so that you and I, I could be saved instead of lost, that we can have abundant life instead of, of just floundering, that we've got a future, He who gets wisdom loves his soul. I hope you love your soul tonight. That's not cocky because the soul is what he redeemed. The soul is what he bought back. And so we should love it because it's his. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. That's my soul. So I love it. But see, I didn't know that until I learned God's wisdom and God's truth. And he who cherishes understanding prospers. Get your mind, I hope by now you've gotten your mind away from the thought that prospers and wealth and all this kind of thing is not things of this earth. Oh, no. You know, according to Revelation, this is all going to be left because the old order of things is gone. 
So when Psalm is talking these words, when he says you're going to prosper, he who cherishes understanding, when you understand the truth of who you are in Christ Jesus, you prosper. You live in love and joy and peace and patience, the fruit of God's spirit. You live in hope. You live in purpose and worth. To me, that's prospering. Verse 11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. <laughs> okay. That's another one I said to the, I showed the lady. <laughs> Through her cuss words. I said, look at this. A man's wisdom will give him patience. If you take these words today and you take a deep breath and you breathe them in and you let them go into your heart and then what did we learn about the mind? The mind. You make choices in your mind and then that's what will come out of your countenance and your attitude and your words. It can be changed if you take these words, you take them to your heart, you know that that can change your mind for what you're going to do this afternoon. It is to his. It is to God's glory to overlook an offense. Or it is, it is, the, it is the person. I mean, I don't know how you want to classify it is to his glory. Everybody wins. The Lord wins. The person wins. When you're willing to just let it go. Okay, verse 13. Here we go, gals. A foolish, man, a foolish son is his father's ruin. Now, Solomon does keep repeating that, doesn't it? I mean, that in a family, this is important. You, a foolish son is his father's ruin. It's a heartbreaker. But then he adds this to that one. And a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. I don't need to, I don't think I need to explain that. I think we all know what that means. Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. See, now, I love the way he contrasted the wife here. Now, which one do you want to be? You want to be a drippy old faucet? Or do you want to be a prudent one? And I went back to that word prudent because it goes along with wisdom. And when we first started Proverbs, words like wisdom, um, knowledge, prudence, discernment, all those words describe when we hear God instead of ourselves. So a prudent wife, she's listening to God. And she is making her decisions according to him. She's careful with, with how she acts. She's careful with her time. She's careful with her budget. She's, I mean, all these things. A prudent wife. It's, it's such a beautiful thing, that, that word prudent wife. And that's why Solomon said, a prudent wife who cares, who's listening to the Lord in all areas of the marriage and the family and all that, she's from the Lord. And gals, I'll tell you, if that is entitled that you and I should desire, then we would just love it if our husband would say, oh, I got one straight from the Lord. 
<laughs> I mean, isn't, I mean that's, that's right here. I mean, wouldn't it be great if our husbands said, I got one straight from the Lord. Instead, oh, man, she just doesn't know how to stop the nagging. And, but it's what we are doing with what, what, who we're listening to and what we're spending our time learning. And I love the two, the contrast. And it's our choice. We could be one or the other. Laziness brings on deep sleep. I mean, it's true. I mean, if you don't have something to do, if you don't have something to keep you busy, to keep you occupied, and, and I know that some of us can't do what we used to do, but, but the thing is, laziness. I mean, you find that then all you want to do is sleep, and it's such a waste of time. And, and then the next line says, and the shiftless man goes hungry. The only thing I could think of was shift. Oh, well, there's three shifts in a day. You either work morning or second shift or third shift. And if you don't work any shift, <laughs> that's all I could come up with. So, and to me, to me, it made sense because if you're not willing, because the Bible says this over and over, if you don't work, you don't, that's right. So that's where I got that. He obeys instructions, guards his life. See, you've got to be obeying these instructions, or who's going to be, who's going to be, uh, who you're going to be listening to? You and other people and the news and all that kind of stuff. He obeys who he listens and learns and obeys this instruction. It will guard your life. It will guard your reactions to people. It will guard your words. It will guard your um, body language. It will guard that. When you're listening to his instruction, you will, the Holy Spirit will constantly be reminding you with what you've learned and what you've heard. And that will guard your life from doing something that you'll be sorry for. But he who is contemptuous, contemptuous of his ways will die. You don't care? I love the way the way Psalm is just so simple. And that's the way Jesus is too. He doesn't give you 50,000 choices. You've got two. Two choices. Which way do you want? You want this way? Do you want to listen to wisdom or do you want to listen to you? Do you want to go God's way or do you want to go your way? Do you want to put on that full armor of God and withstand or do you want to go back and you're, do you want to go to your corner and just sit and sulk and feel sorry for yourself? I mean, it's just, it's just two simple choices you got. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. How do you know if you're real? According to James 1, if you're willing to give of yourself, if you're willing to be selfless, that's how you know. And that's why he said, he, will, yeah, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. And to know that the Lord sees, and, and I love that word, you're going to be rewarded. He will reward him for what he's done. 
discipline your son, for in that there is hope. In other words, if you don't discipline your son, he's pretty much saying they're hopeless. Do you have to teach a kid how to be bad? Nope, that comes natural. So you've got to teach them right from wrong. You've got to teach them wisdom versus folly. You've got to teach them. And then later in the 22nd chapter, well, what did he say? You better train him. You better train him in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart. Now, I was going to do this at the end, but I might as well do it right now because it all goes together. What's the best way you can train your child? Sorry. The best way you and I can train our child, and I don't care how old they're getting. I had to get after my oldest one. 43 years old, and I still had to get after him a little bit. Now, can I set him down and say, now this is what, now you listen to me. <laughs> no, those days are far over. But I'm telling you, I really do believe that as a, as a parent, that job is never done. And maybe they are maybe smarter book-wise, but we, according to the proverb, we're grayer because we're wiser. Because we've lived longer. We've been around the block a few more times. And so no matter how old they get, we're older. And we should always, so the best way we can train our child is to live it. Because there's nothing that causes a kid more confusion than when we don't live what we say. That's right, that do as I say, not as I do, that's the most ridiculous thing there is. I mean, we've all been there. I remember when, when Chad was real little one time, Man, I was getting after him for something. I bet I'm sure I was, I was uh, not in a real nice volume either. And all of a sudden, the phone rang. And all of a sudden, oh, hello. How nice. And I'll never forget Chad's face. He went. <laughs> His jaw just dropped because he couldn't believe, boy, she's good. How could she flip so quick? But I'm sure that was, that, was a, that was a terrible testimony. I mean, you know, you just want to be real. You want them to see the real. You want them to do the best way you could train your child is to live this out. And they're watching. Don't, I don't care how old they are. They're still watching. Discipline your son, for in that there is hope, and do not be a willing party to his death. I mean, that's how important Solomon says it is to discipline. Oh, this whole baloney stuff about, well, I want to be their friend. Well, they got plenty of them. <laughs> a parent is something different. And I remember someone telling me, you got to love them enough to let them hate you for a while, if need be. Because you're the one, you're the most influential one that they're watching and listening to all the time. And by disciplining them, you're not a willing party to there. And death doesn't necessarily mean physical death. It could lead to, because who knows what they can do eventually. But 
a hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. Yep. Quick, short views, hot-tempered. If you rescue them, you'll have to do it again, unless they change. Because they don't seem to do it just once. It's just like that's, that's their, see, that's, that's the kind of stuff you want gone. That's part of the old nature you want gone. Maybe, maybe that was you. Maybe, maybe you were quick-tempered. Maybe you were short-fused. And, or for whatever, whatever, that old nature, you know it so well. And when you know that little vice that just still keeps one to come back. The only person, the only one that can really get rid of it is Jesus. Otherwise, it keeps coming back. Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. It isn't that our objective. Isn't that what we want? It's like why we started Proverbs to begin with, because of Ephesians 5, where it said, where, where Paul said, now be, now be careful. Don't live as the unwise, but the wise. So our objective is to live wisely. So we're trying to learn in all different areas of our life how to live wisely. So whether it be a, a temper or whatever our vice is, you listen, you learn, you accept it, and in the end, you will be wiser. Okay, here again, he brings this one back. Many are the plans of man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. He's going to get the last word. We are here for God's plan, for God's purpose. And the quicker we remember that, the better. The fear of the Lord leads to life. The fear of the Lord leads to life. What is the fear of the Lord? When I heard him tell me that I was a sinner and that I needed a Savior, and uh, I went to the cross. And Jesus' blood took care of my sins, and now there is no condemnation for me because of Christ Jesus. I believe this Bible. I believe the truth of it. The fear of the Lord leads to life. I mean real kind of life. Then look what he says. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Now, does that mean that I've never had any more trouble in my life? No, you've got to get over the things of this world. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and then, then one rests content. I know that no one or nothing can separate me from God's love. That's when I looked at Romans 8 last week. I looked at that proverb, and I said, hallelujah. Because of Romans 8, because I was willing to believe that and do that and obey that, I have life. I have life now and forevermore, eternal life. And there isn't anything or anyone that can take that away. And I rest in that. I sing blessed assurance with Fanny all the time. 
untouched by trouble. Again, not physical trouble. I mean, that's just life. But untouched by trouble, that means that someone could steal my soul, that someone could take away. No, I'm untouched. No one can touch that. Because to me, the devil is my trouble. Self is my trouble. And when I am resting and content in the Lord and his spirit, and I'm listening to his wisdom, I am untouched. Satan can't get near me. And self stays at bay. To me, that's trouble. The sluggard, the lazy person, buries his head in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. Boy, Solomon really hits on laziness, doesn't he? You know, just to remind you, work didn't start after the fall. Work was before the fall. Work is good for us. Work, keeping your mind busy. Instead of just thinking about yourself. The slugger buries his hand in the dish. He He doesn't even bring it back to his mouth. So purposeless. So worthless. I mean, what a horrible way to live. Sometimes I look at a verse like that. And as, as much that this, this sounds good to me, I just don't think, I mean, I've gone to Florida many times, you know, and I haven't taught a Bible study for a month down there. And I looked at all these people in the villages and their biggest decision is what pickle um, court should I play on today? Or what restaurant are we going to go on today? And after a month of that, I, was, I couldn't wait to come back. I'm just saying, you've got to be a little careful. You can fall into the traps. Of that, and then all of a sudden, it's just all you're doing is consumed with yourself. And Solomon's teaching me that that's not good for you. That just doesn't lead you to a good place. You always need a purpose because as long as you're here, he's still got a purpose for you. Even though your body maybe can't do what he used to do, you still, if you ask him, he'll still show you a purpose. Flog a mocker and the simple will learn prudence, rebuke a discerning man, and he will gain knowledge. To me, I just thought that that simply meant how do you react to correction? Now, there's a difference between criticism and correction, and I I don't want to go into that, but when someone or something has to correct you, and let's face it, we all need it. I think Solomon is saying, do you realize that when a person has your best interest in mind, I know because sometimes I can be tough, but I hope sometimes when, when I come to you with my arm around you and I hug you, but I say, no, come on, we're not gonna, I'm not going to let you stay here. That could look like I'm mean, but I'm not going to let you wallow. I'm not le- going to let you fall into yourself. Correction. Sometimes we just need correction, and we better pray that someone is in our life that loves enough, even though we don't want to hear it, that they love us enough to say, you know what, I see this. You don't even see this. I want to help you out of this. Let's go to the God's Word and hear what He says. 
I think Psalm is saying, how do you take correction? Do you see it as, yeah, no one likes it, but do you see it as, you know what, I, if I wasn't corrected, I would still be going in that spiral into the wrong direction. Look what he says in verse 27. Stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Remember this little phrase, one day away from the Lord, one day away from your time with him. He knows, oh, does he know, two days away from doing it. Because, oh, that's all it takes. One day that leads to two, you can start to see it. Three days, everybody can. Because now the old self is back. And the new is gone. Stop listening to this instruction, my son, my daughter, my brother, my sister, whatever, whoever you want to fit in there. You will. You will stray. That's why I think the closer I get to the Lord, the harder I cling. I can't get over. The closer that I get to him, it seemed like I just hold on because I know how easy it is now to just let self quick even for a second take over. So the more I'm learning that through these Proverbs, the tighter I cling because I don't want to stray from his words. Okay, 20 verse 1. I know this is a stickler, but um, I think what Solomon is saying here I mean, I, I know everybody's different. I know that um, moderation, I, I, I know. But apparently he thought it was important enough to put in here. That it's worthy of being careful of. Wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Again, another area of our life where we need to have a look. Now, on a personal level, I come from an alcohol. I come from alcoholism, and I know that there's a good chance I could have what scientists say is a chemical that would just grab me, and I would be a lush. And so, I, I'm not willing to take the chance. It's that simple. But the thing is, sometimes, and the way this world is painted, especially for young women nowadays, they're making wine look so fun. And, oh, um, after I get the kids down for a nap, I just can't wait to have my little glass of wine. And they're making it. And what's happening is young women are turning into needing it. That's why Solomon says, you know, that this personal, it's between you. I can't tell you what to do. But... Whenever you start getting controlled by an outside force, if it's something that starts controlling your mind, it's just saying, is it worth it? In the scope of things, is it really worth it? Because more than not, it can lead you astray. 
Okay, um, verse 8, it's to a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. I pointed that to that lady, too. (laughs) I said, sorry to have to go over this with you again, but to your honor, it's to your honor you'll avoid, avoid strife. But if you want to be a fool and quick and quarrel, I guess it's your call. I can't wait to see what she does Thursday. I'm going to see if she comes back, you know. <laughs> and here it is, too. A slugger does not plow in season, but look what happens in the har- when it's harvest time. There's nothing there. Verse 6, many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. Oh, my, I hope that grabbed you. Oh, it is so easy for us self-righteous people to just love. It's like, oh, I'll pray for you. Oh, is there anything I can do? Oh, you just call me if you need anything. Oh, here we come off as such a wonderful person. He said, I'm just checking. Digest this proverb is just checking you. How about it? Are you a real? Are you real good at saying it? But are you faithful at following it through? See, many a man claims to have unfailing love. Boy, these proverbs—they really go and go dig, don't they? They go right at you, and they make you take a look. Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin? Now, I looked at that and then I thought about the proverb where he says, if you're on the highway upright, you will avoid sin. That was a proverb we did two weeks ago. If you're on the highway of the upright, you will avoid sin. So that means I can avoid sin. But this proverb helps me to see when I'm trying to avoid sin in my own strength, did you count? What, what's, the, what's the bad word in this proverb? What's the bad words? Oh, man, it happens one, two, three times. I and my. When you try to do it in your own strength and power, that we are powerless to do. Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin? Not a one of us. However, with all these spirit living inside of me now, greater is he that is in me, right? Greater is he that is in you. So I can't avoid sin. But if I'm living an upright life under the power of God's spirit, I can. So... Verse 11, even child is known by his actions. I love the way Solomon wrote that. Even a child you can see. In other words, if you can see the actions of a child, you definitely could see. Actions speak loud. By whether his conduct is pure and right. 
So Solomon says, I don't care if your actions are good. People can see that. If your actions are bad, guess what? They can see those too. And then you get to be known. It starts affecting your reputation. It starts to affect the way people, what people think of you and why. Solomon says, just a reminder, <laughs> actions count. And when people see, they can make, they can, you know, these actions, well, you can get known by them. Okay, ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. I mean, they're, our eyes and our ears, we know that our bodies, I mean, they're brilliantly, technically made. But I think Psalm is talking about another set of eyes and ears that the Lord's made too. And that's when you are listening to wisdom under the power of God's spirit, he opens up a whole new eyesight, a whole new ears. You start hearing and seeing. You start hearing him talk to you. You start seeing a whole different way of living. And the Lord made them both. So, look at for verse 14. It's no good. It's no good, says the buyer. Then off he goes and boasts about his purchase. That's got Dutch written all over it. <laughs> and especially if you take pride in the way you barter with people. Take, for example, maybe you go down to Mexico and you go up to a market and how much? Oh, $15. And what do you say? Oh, it's not worth it. That's not, that's not good. That's not worth it. No good. No good. Okay. How about 10? Oh, not worth it. Not worth it. Okay. Let's say you get them down to two bucks. <laughs> and then you turn around. You can't wait to tell your friend what you just did and what you got him down to. I look at that proverb and I think Psalm is saying, that's not nice. Oh, I know it's a game. I had a gal who went on a cruise and she, two weeks ago and she was back last week and when we got to that proverb, She had one of those little braids put in her ear in one of the islands. And she says it was only $5 for one, for one little braid. And she says my husband gave her $60. The opposite. And what's so beautiful is that we went right after that and we read another proverb that says, it's a win-win. Because you feel so good when you know. You, you're on one of those poverty islands. And they're grateful to have $5. But when you give from your abundance. So I think in this Proverbs he's saying, you know what? Don't be so proud about getting somebody way down and then bragging about it. I love this. Gold there is, rubies in abundance, but lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. 
he's really, isn't he teaching us? And I mean, as much stock as we put in wealth and jewels and position and all those, you know, aren't you learning that this wisdom that he is teaching us just goes far beyond anything that we can achieve. When we achieve godly wisdom, you gain so much more in your life than things. Because guess what? The godly wisdom you can take with you. What do they tell you about the things of this world? Look at 19, a gossip betrays a confidence. Oh, but that stinks. wonder if somebody comes up to you and says, I'm going to tell you something in confidence. And because then you get in with a different group of people and then you, you want to, you oh, guess what I know. And you're a, you're a little bit of a hero and all the attention is on you for about 30 seconds. Guess what you've just done? You betrayed a confidence. And Solomon says, you better, shame on you. Look how self can get in there just even about that. So avoid a man who talks too much. <laughs> and you know, there's so much truth to that. You know, I don't know about you know, these, you meet every day for coffee and talk, talk, talk. I even watched this with my mom at Appledore and they meet and all the, I finally said, what do you finally talk about every day? Well, you know, we talk about this person and that person. I thought, that's it. <laughs> you know, you avoid talking too much because it will just lead to conversation that's just not pleasing. Verse 22, do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. I showed the lady that one again too. <laughs> but along with that, I had to reread it myself because again, when you've been wronged, and again, remember the proverb. Let the Holy Spirit help you recall this proverb. Instead of making the damage even greater, just step back. And wait for the Lord. And what did the other Proverbs say? Will injustice go unpunished? No, it will not go unpunished. We know that. So just wait for the Lord. He'll take care of it. Verse 24, a man's steps are directed by the Lord, and how can anyone understand his own way? Look at, just kind of think back at your life. Did you, have you understood everything the Lord has done in your life? Have you understood every purpose? Have you understood? I'm sure many of us have said, man, that's not what I would have picked. That's not what I would have wanted. The Lord didn't make any sense here. Just doesn't make sense. Every time I open my mouth and I hear this voice of mine, I think this doesn't make sense. That's my thing. Mary, you've got yours. Judy, you've got yours. I can go right down the line. Every one of us has got our time when we said, 
God, this doesn't make sense. Then what does Solomon say? You got to go back and remember what? A man's steps are directed by the Lord. Now, do I believe that or not? Again, not 50,000 choices, just two. Am I going to believe it or not? The lamp of the Lord searches the spirit of a man. 27. The lamp of the Lord searches the spirit of a man. Little less spirit. So that means our spirit inside of us. This proverb helps us to see that the Lord, Psalm 139, knows everything about us. The thing is, this proverb helps us to see that he uses a great big old spotlight. And man, this spotlight misses nothing. He sees the real us. He sees the motive. Remember, we had a proverb about that. So again, just a reminder, Solomon says, I just want you to know that the Lord sees just as if he had a big old spotlight. Misses nothing. It searches out our inmost being. So the things, I call it that, that stinking little closet that we try to push away. That little closet that we just don't want to go in there. We don't want to deal with it. Love and, love and faithfulness keep a king safe. Love and faithfulness keep a king safe. Now, in this sense, I think king is you and me. Because a king is anybody who someone is looking to. So that really puts us all in the same boat. Love and faithfulness keep a king safe. Through love, his throne is made secure. I'm so glad we were in Romans 8 last week because to me, oh, how I love Jesus. Yes, Jesus loves me. And nothing can ever take that away. You talk about security. Through that love and through its faithfulness, we can be secure in that. We can sing it as well with my soul, with every ounce in our being. And know that it's true. The glory of young men is their strength. Gray hair, the splendor of the old. I love the way he uses both here. Have you ever said... How did I ever do that, all that? When I was young, I could do, there was no stopping me. I did this and I did that. And, and now that you're old, you think, how did I ever do it all? See, when you're young, you've got it. When you're young, you've got the strength, you've got. But I love the way he flips it and said, gray hair, the splendor of the old. Because now, have you ever said, I wish I knew then what I know now. Yeah. See, when you're a young boy, let me at him. 
I need this, I need this big, and I need this toy, and I need, I need all those things. When you're young, but when you're old, you start to realize, you know what? In the scope of things. Twenty-one, two. All a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. I just that's such a good reminder. Many are the ways. You know, we just go about our our ways, but the Lord weighs the heart. It's just a, just a reminder that as I do my daily walk, the Lord is weighing out my heart. And that's going to determine the direction I'm going to go today. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Now, we've heard that before, that the Lord would much rather have obedience rather than sacrifice. So to do what is right and just is far better than trying to appease him with good works. And that's something I think a lot of, a lot of so-called Christians do. They, they do a lot of good works. They think, well, that took care of that sin. That took... No, he just wants us real to do what is right and just. And then he knows then the good works will come. But then you don't have the car before the horse. You don't use the good works to try to appease Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked are sin. Remember, we've said that haughty, proud, those are all words for self. When, there, when self is leading your eyes, when self is leading your heart, <laughs> uh, that's sin. Okay, verse 9. Here's your third one, gals. Better to live on the corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. It was so funny. Thursday, I had one girl say, thanks, Linnell. I'm going to go to get my husband off the roof. <laughs> Hit her square between the eyes. I mean, it's a sad thing when our, when our husbands say, I, I, need you. I need a little space from you. You know, I mean, that's something to think about. It's sad when they've got to get away from us for whatever reason. Okay, like I said, we could go, we could go on and on. And, um, verse 19, now that we're on this subject, let's just do better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife. <laughs> I'm thinking... Solomon should know. How many did he have? <laughs> I love verse I love verse 21. He who pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Verse 23, he who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. 22.1, a good name is more desirable than great riches. 
a good name, your name. When people say your name, is it respectable? Is your yes, yes, and your no, no? Can people count on you? Is your name re- in the integrity? Are you a name of integrity? A good name is more desirable than riches. And even more important than your name is the name you say you wear, is Jesus' name. Rich and poor are this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. And again, we're talking wealth. You talk about the richness of his grace. When you live in his undeserved favor, there's nothing you and I have done. But because Jesus did it, and you live in that humility and fear of the Lord, that is just one great way to live and get up in the morning. And I think that's, we're going to end with that. So it's loaded. Now we just want to listen and learn and obey and be changed. Have a good week.